This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number 28. On today's episode, we are going to talk with songwriter and podcaster Kathy Heller about realizing you are enough and then daring to share your gift with the world. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. episode is brought to you by the 8th annual LWSL Holiday Planner. You guys, this is our most popular freebie of the entire year, and so you've got to grab it now. It's such a great tool for helping you to enjoy a holiday season filled with a whole lot more joy and a whole lot less stress. And the very best part of all, it is completely and totally free. Just our little way of saying happy holidays. It's available now, but only for a limited time. So grab yours at livingwellspendingless.com slash holiday planner. Once again, you can get it at livingwellspendingless.com slash holiday planner. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I am the founder of Living Well, Spending Less, and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of five, soon to be six books. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to the incredibly inspiring Kathy Heller, host of the Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast. Now, I had the honor of being a guest on Kathy's podcast several months ago, and in that episode, which I will link to in the show notes for this episode, I shared parts of my own story and my own journey that I have never actually talked about before publicly. And it was very raw, and it was very honest, and honestly, it was one of the most incredible interview experiences I have ever had. I think mostly because Kathy has been in the trenches in her life too, and she totally understands how to channel her empathy into something amazing. And that's exactly why I am so excited to invite Kathy here to the Do It Scared podcast to share her story, as well as so much incredible advice about taking the necessary steps to get out of your rut and into a place where you can better serve the world while still living your authentic truth. And ultimately, that's exactly what this podcast is all about. It's about taking the steps that are going to help us get unstuck so that we can create a life we love. Because friends, in the end, courage does not mean that we are never afraid. Instead, courage is being scared, but taking action anyway, despite our fear. It's putting one foot in front of the other, even when we're not quite sure where that path is going to lead. Okay, so just a couple more quick things before we dive into the amazingness that is today's episode. First, as always, you can download our Do It Scared Manifesto to remind yourself to start living your own life of courage right now. If you haven't gotten this yet, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's beautifully designed, and it's absolutely free. It's such a great thing to print out, to put on your wall, to put on your mirror, to put it anywhere you need to in order to start reminding yourself to live this life of courage. And you can get it free just by texting "Do It Scared" to 44222 on your phone, or if you want to get all the show notes for this episode, which you probably will, you can get all the show notes and the manifesto by visiting doitscared.com slash episode 28. Once again, either text do it scared, all one word to 44222 to get the manifesto only, or if you go on your computer or on your phone to get the show notes and all of the other things from this episode, um, you can get that at doitscared.com slash episode 28. Also, random side note, if you haven't already, please be sure to take a few minutes to rate and review this show on iTunes. And while you are there, be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. All right, with that out of the way, without further ado, I am so, so happy and honored and thrilled to introduce you to the amazing and truly inspiring Kathy Heller. 
Kathy, oh my gosh, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I feel like there's so much more we need to catch up on since I was on your show. So thank you for being here today. I just can't, honestly. I can't take it because I had you on my show and I knew a little bit about you before I had you on. And I thought this woman is so inspiring. She's so articulate. Let's have her on. You completely blew me away. It was so above and beyond what I ever thought would happen. That was such a transformational episode. I hope that your audience heard it, but you know what? They probably didn't need to because you are doing your amazing podcast and everybody already knows what I already found out when you were on mine, how incredibly, incredibly special you are. Um, It's such a joy to be here. Thank you for doing what you're doing in the world. Thank you. You are so sweet and almost like to an embarrassing level, you're sweet. I just tell the truth, Ruth. That's all I can do. That episode, if you haven't listened to it, um, that will be included in the show notes, the link to that episode. That really was, that was actually more than I've really ever shared publicly. And we had, we did send the link out to my audience just because it was such a trans, like kind of a transformational episode for me too. Wow. So definitely if you haven't listened to that listeners, please go and listen to that um, after you finish listening to this one. But today we're not talking about me. No, we're not. We are talking (laughs) about Kathy, which is awesome because I feel like it's like the other side of the coin um, to what was a very powerful, powerful episode on your podcast. Now we can have, have the other side and see the other side. So why don't we just start from the beginning? Give us kind of your quick and dirty, long and dirty, whatever you want to do, overview of where you've been, how you got to where you are now. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody loves to be asked that question because I think that we all are truly seeking one thing. I think every person wants to feel seen. I think every person wants to feel like they matter, like people are attuned with what they're feeling, what they're going through. So thank you. Obviously, it's such a cathartic thing for someone to say, like, tell me about you, right? Um, and we're not used to it because we don't like live in a world where people really take the time to necessarily do that. I feel like we live in like a empathy deficit. Um, and that's one of the things I love about you is you're so real and honest about yourself that I think it gives other people permission to be okay with where they are, whatever that is. And so I grew up really not feeling seen. I grew up feeling really invisible. My parents had a very typical marriage in the 80s where like they were so unhappy. I spent most of my time watching Growing Pains and Silver Spoons and Facts of Life and my parents were fighting in the other room and eventually they got divorced and it was a really, really disgusting, painful divorce where there was lots of different elements involved. Um, My dad had sort of a double life on a certain level and my mom became sort of completely paralyzed by depression and she was really suicidal. And so I was living with a mom who was going through that and coming home like a latchkey kid, kind of feeling like a lot of despair and hopelessness. And I I didn't grow up with God. I didn't grow up with tools. I didn't grow up with therapy. I didn't grow up with meditation. I didn't grow up with anything that would sort of get me through this feeling of what's it all for. And so I was struggling. I was really, really struggling. And I barely graduated from high school. Um, And then when I finally went away to college, I was at a state school on like academic probation. I just went and they were like, just try to get your grades okay. You know, and they, and I, um, I started studying and looking for meaning and I was a humanities major and I was reading books and um, I was trying to figure out why we're on the planet. And um, on a whim, uh, a friend of mine said, you know, there's a free trip to Jerusalem and you should go on it. And I was like, what? What? I have nothing to do with things like that are religious or God oriented or whatever. And I wound up going and I just couldn't stop crying. I just couldn't stop crying. I felt like, oh, my goodness, there's something going on that you can't see with your eyes. And um, I, you know, I, I, I sort of fell in love with. God, I fell in love with this idea that we are all created purposely and that every single person was put here to do something. And I realized that we each are needed. And that was really significant. Like, So how old were you when you came to that realization? Uh, like 20, 20, 21. So pretty young. Yeah, I guess, you know, considering like a lot. most of my years, you know, it was just so hard. Uh, when my mom was going through suicide and suicidal, there was a lot going on. And I remember one time um, I said to her, how can you do this to me? And she said, you're not enough. 
I can't live for you. Mm. And I feel like that's the number one thing every person struggles with anyway. Like, am I enough? Mm -hmm. Is it good enough? We overthink things. We're so hard on ourselves. And so as a kid, my mom, it wasn't even that logically I wasn't enough. It's that she didn't feel enough. And so nothing was enough. And But as a kid, that's a really hard thing to live with that feeling. And my dad was off having his own life. And I felt like I could just swerve off the road and go into the ocean and no one would notice. Nobody would care. And I, I think that one of the reasons that I've wound up being successful is actually because of, because of this. Because I think coming from a place of this kind of empathy and knowing this feeling is actually very powerful because I think every person walks around and wonders, does it matter? Am I making a difference? And I think what I realize is that the opposite of depression, watching depression so up close and feeling that depression and feeling that anxiety, I think I realized that the opposite of depression was a sense of purpose. And so I started to realize that every person needs to be in alignment with doing something that they do. And when they do it, time stops because that's their gift. And everybody has that zone of genius. And sometimes people don't take enough time to explore different aspects of themselves or they're being told so often, you're not good at that, or you are good at this, or why would you even think this? And so we, we sort of, we, 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 we quit too soon before we even discover, you know, maybe what that calling is. What is that thing that we do well? Is it our ability to listen to other people? Is it our, our cooking ability? Is it the fact that we paint well? Is it the fact that we sing well? But we all have this thing where what we love sort of connects to what the world says. Oh, I wanted that and needed that. And thank you so much for making that. Um, and so I left after being in Jerusalem for a few years, I, I came to Los Angeles. Um, I had never been here before, but I grew up in Florida. And so it was sort of like, oh, I'll, I'll go the furthest I can from where I grew up. And I, I loved writing music. And I thought maybe I'll, I'll tour the world and I'll be a recording artist. And I worked really hard. You know, I, I came out here with no, no money or no contacts, but I got a day job. I was working in a casting office. I got a job on Craigslist. And I wound up just sort of pounding the pavement and reverse engineering and asking questions. How would I get a record deal? And who would I have to meet? And what would I have to create? And then how would I get in there? And then what would I say? And anyway, I did that enough. I actually got a record deal at Interscope. Wow. And then um, that was really cool. I was there in Sunset Sounds uh, with Ron Fair when Lady Gaga was recording Paparazzi. I was no way. there for that moment. It was really That's cool. amazing. It was really cool. And a few months later, I got dropped from that label. And oh, then not so that, amazing. that was not so amazing. I <laughs> was really sad. And then I got up to bat again and I got signed. Uh, I got a record deal offer from Atlantic Records. And then I got dropped from that label. And I thought, I guess I'm just not going to do this music thing. And that's too bad because I had this sort of naivete that maybe there was something special about what I wrote. And maybe I had something and I could sort of be, you know, doing my quote unquote work in the world, you know, through writing music and sort of touching souls. And, um, I wound up feeling like maybe there was no hope. And so I got a day job and another day job and I tried on different hats. I felt like Barbie. I was like, astronaut Barbie, vet Barbie. I was like, <laughs> I'll work for an interior designer. Nope, I'm going to get a real estate license. Nope, I'm, I kept doing all of these things. And mm -hmm. one day I was driving in my car and I was crying and I'm like, I just don't feel like myself. You know, it's like if you took a guitar and instead of it being a guitar, you like put a potted plant in the middle of it, you know? And it's like, it's not meant to hold a, a plant. It's meant to be played, you know? And I felt like I wasn't, in alignment with me. And I just was so frustrated because I know for so many people listening, it is frustrating to know, well, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Um, either it doesn't feel attainable, the thing I want to do, or I'm not even sure. I love photography. I love travel writing. Which one do I choose? So I was like, well, the thing I thought I wanted to do, I can't do, right? I was dropped. But then I said, well, isn't there another way? And anyway, I do feel like what you seek is seeking you. I think it's true. If you say like, I want to buy a red car, next day you see red cars everywhere. And so I thought, what is another way I could do my music? And I wound up finding an article a week later in Billboard magazine about a bunch of indie artists who were licensing their songs, which is a word I had never heard before, to film and TV and advertising. So I wound up licensing my music to um, different TV shows and NBC and ABC and Fox and trailers and movies. And I was licensing my songs to ads like McDonald's ads and Walmart ads. And I started making $250,000, $300,000 a year licensing my songs. And I was able to become you know, a mom and I was able to be home and I was able to go to the studio and it was really awesome. And then I just kept following the yes. And it led me to, um, it led me to starting an agency. I was featured in Billboard magazine, Variety, all these big magazines with like a full page and a picture. And that's amazing. I, it really was amazing. It was like a great feeling. I was like, oh my God, that's me. You know, it's like a full page story with a picture. I was in all these spreads. 
And um, it was all about how this girl was writing her own check and forging her own path. And it wasn't just that I was having to do the research and figure out how to get my music placed. I was figuring out how to get to those human beings who were choosing the music for every single one of those projects and how to be compassionate and personable enough to break through the noise and get into their office and create a relationship. And one of the things I learned that was so impactful along that journey was that the difference between my hobby of writing music, which became a business, is that once it was a business, I had to have, again, that empathy to solve a problem for a customer. I had to think about not just writing a song, but what are the stories that are being told in these movies? What are the stories that are being told in these ads? And can I find a way to authentically express myself and then write a universal story that's not just my own, but it's somebody else's also? And so doing that work of anticipating and finding a solution to someone's problem and using my art to do that was actually a huge breakthrough and a huge discovery of what it really means to be in business. And it's not selling out. It's actually having more purpose because your work and your art and your skills fill other people. So long story short, um, which brings us to now, I started an agency helping other artists continue to do my own music, which I still do. And then the agency built and built. And we, you know, I have now three people just running the agency along with me. And we have like 50, 60 artists that we represent. And then I started teaching a course to songwriters about what it takes to write music that actually is the kind of things that we need. And how do you anticipate those problems? And how do you make music that really is all that? So the course went really well. And um, so the the course is for songwriters and musicians, but for more the com- a commercial purpose, not necessarily. Yeah. It's like, how do I make a living with my music? Okay. How do I make a living and how do I get that song into a TV show and add a film? Mm. And the course wound up doing really well. We helped so many artists get, you know, a song in a Starbucks ad for $55,000, a song in That's a Coors amazing. Light spot, a song, uh, Quaker Oats. We've done so well and that sort of caught on. And then the course itself made seven figures because so many people were saying this is life changing. And then as a result of the course, one of my students said, why don't you have a podcast? And like, talk to all creatives about the same principles you're applying to songwriting. So I started that podcast about 19 months ago and I met you and now I'm sitting here. Wow. That's an amazing story. There's, (laughs) and there's so much that I want to dig into. Like, first of all, how did you, how did you figure this out with the, like you got dropped from the labels and then you got dropped again, which must've been, kind of devastating. It was not fun. Yeah, it was a hard feeling. And then how long did it take before you got to a point where you're like I still want to I still want to do music. I still want to I still want to do something with this even if it doesn't look the way that I thought it was going to look. Yeah, it was like I got dropped from this label and then another one and then I sort of gave up. You mm-hmm. know, the smartest thing a person does or so they think is they say, "Oh, I know how I'll never be hurt again. I won't want the thing I want. Mm. I'll tell myself I don't want it. And that's a strategy many people use their entire life. Mm -hmm. They rationalize it. They get so mad. Why are you bringing up my painting? Why are you bringing up my comedy? Don't talk about it. I've been convincing myself how much I don't want that because I don't want to get hurt. So I did that for a few years. Um, And I took this approach of like, I'll just get a quote unquote normal job. I'll get married. I'll have kids. And, and oh yeah, that, that hole in my chest especially being a child who went through abuse and who went through a broken home and who went through nights of going to sleep, not knowing if your mom's going to be there the next day in and out of hospital, in and out of mental psychiatric work. Like for me to not have a place to do something with all that I was carrying around and also to feel like Mm -hmm. I could use it to help other human beings who are lost out there to be a lighthouse, it wasn't going to work. I was going to explode. And so about three years into having these like different jobs, I was like, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not myself. I, I'm, I'm like, it's like a dam that's going to break. And so I said, I have to find a way. And that's the thing that I want to stress to your audience because it's the most magical thing I ever learned, which is to the extent that you believe something is possible, to the extent you believe something is doable, you won't believe what you will actually 
make happen. Because when you believe something's doable, you're going to take action. You're going to get creative. You're going to get resourceful. You're going to start asking questions. You're going to start trying things because you don't think it's futile because you know that it's going to happen. And that's when incredible things happen. And so I got back into that state of, well, what if I could figure out another way to make a living? It doesn't have to be Beyonce or bust. Isn't there some other way? Isn't there some, and that's what I love about your story and all the incredible people that have been on my show. Yes, we've had Jenna Fisher on my show and Bobby Browner. She's a makeup artist and Tamara Mellon who made Jimmy Choo. But we've also had lots of human beings like you who are doing incredible things. Oh, and, and no, they're not Steven Spielberg. Okay, so there's something in between this and that. And that's what I didn't know. I didn't know that. So what was the switch for you? What was the switch of saying, I... My, I am not going to pursue my music. Clearly, this isn't for me. They have been rejected two times. I've been, like been dropped. This isn't for me. Going out, doing these day jobs. And then like this is what I'm trying to understand. And then there's the moment where you're like, I am not living my full life. How did you – like was – did somebody encourage you? Did somebody like say, you know what? You could look at this differently. Have you ever considered this? Was it just like this idea that popped into your head one day? How did you go from not doing it to all of a sudden figuring out this whole new path that nobody had ever really done before? No. So what happened was my husband, who was my next door neighbor at the time, and he wasn't my husband or my boyfriend. He was just my neighbor. Mm. Um, It's the funniest thing that I wound up marrying my next door neighbor because I kept looking everywhere else and he was like right in front of me. I was like, him? Oh, maybe it is him. (laughs) Anyway, um, he was my friend. And I remember he said to me... um, you, you don't seem like yourself. You're wearing pantsuits and like driving around in this car. Like I was working at this real estate firm. He's like, you just don't seem like yourself. What do you really love doing? And I think it's music, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, why don't you apply? There's a songwriter workshop at ASCAP. Why don't you just apply? Why don't you just stick your toe in? And I was like, oh, they're never going to choose me. They only choose 14 people. And I wound up applying and I wound up getting in. And the first meeting that we all had because it was like several different incredible mentoring sessions with producers and people in A&R and people who did all kinds of things in business. It was a meeting with a woman who was talking about music licensing. And I started to see this. I didn't even know what this was. I hadn't heard these words before. And, um, and then I saw it was like a confluence of events. Then I read this Billboard article, which I hadn't even bought Billboard in a while. I didn't want to read it. I didn't want to look at it. It was like upsetting. And I picked up a Billboard magazine, and it was talking about this girl, Ingrid Michaelson, who had licensed her song to an Old Navy ad. Because I, 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 that song everybody knows, you know. Um, so and, and I saw her music was in Grey's Anatomy. And then I saw all these other artists, and I was like, wait, those artists got to where they are through having a song in an ad or a song in a show. Huh, that's a thing. That's like a thing that's a, that can keep you consistently sustaining your art and making a living. And I thought maybe I should check that out. Huh, I love that. And I just dived right into how does that work? And, um, and that's another thing that I encourage people, you know, now on my podcast, we, we're about to do our 100th episode. And I started a year and a half ago, similar to you, And we're over 3 million downloads of this podcast. And it's a very similar, you and I are just very similar. We're wired similarly. And part of it is the same thing with my music was um, I've always had an ability to do things even when they're not perfect Mm. and be messy. Mm. And I think that takes a lot of courage because it's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. So when I was going down that path and I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to like think about how I'm going to pitch a song to somebody who's at an ad agency or someone who's working on this TV show for ABC. I didn't even know if the songs were right or good, but I had to start where I was. I had to start somewhere and make a messy version or an okay version or a mediocre something. Same thing with my podcast. I recorded the first one. I was like, I don't know. I can't even bear to listen to it back, but I got to get it out there. You know, I got to start. So and it's amazing, true. right? Oh my God. I, yeah. I was like, God, you've got to get it together. <laughs> and and of course you grow, you know, and I think for creative people, we just quit way too soon um, for all people. And one of my favorite songwriters to bring a songwriting metaphor in, Ed Sheeran, he talks about how And this applies to any person who's listening, whether you want to be a blogger, podcaster, you want to make your own cupcake shop, it applies to everybody. He says, imagine if you were going to go skiing and you walk into the cabin, it's cold, it's Vermont, you're going to be there for four days and you turn on the the faucet in the kitchen and the faucet's like coming out brown sludgy water. And 
you say to your friend, oh, forget it. We can't stay here. You know, like, no. Your friend says, just hang on. Just let the water run. No one's been here for three months. And it's going to be okay. And then the water starts to run clearer and clearer mm-hmm. and clearer. And what Ed Sheeran said is that's like your work. You, you've got to push through mm-hmm. that brown sludgy water to get to the things that the are brilliant. And Seth yep. Godin was on my podcast and he said it a little bit differently, but the same thing. He said, you have to have the courage to tell mediocre stories until you can tell brilliant stories. And I wish that everyone listening right now takes that with them in whatever way it applies to you, whether it's just in being a parent mm-hmm. or in your work. So true. So true. It's just that matter of that you have to keep going no matter what. And you have to make it through that the messy middle. I think we start out like that happens to everybody in all different endeavors, whether you're starting a business, whether you're doing, you know, doing a decorating project at home, whatever it is that you decide to do, we always start out with this like huge amount of excitement and enthusiasm. And this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I love it. I'm so excited. And then you get like a little further and all of a sudden, like something happens, you have, you hit a roadblock, you hit something, you get dropped by your record label, whatever it is, there's that thing. And all of a sudden it's not exciting anymore. It's hard. And that's the real part of it. And that's the part that's like so essential. And yet at that part, everybody quits or so many people quit because it feels hard and it's, oh, I must not be supposed to do this because it feels hard. No, actually the it's, worthwhile because it's hard because, and you have to keep going. You'll never get to the end if you don't finish it. And I say that over and over again. And that's the one thing that I think I would say to anybody is what, even, even when it's just like a little bit, like just keep going no matter what, never quit. Yeah. And don't compare your behind the scenes mess to people's highlight reels. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. we do. And it's so, so true. And it's an illusion. You know, you're looking at someone else and you're saying, look what they did. You're not seeing them in the hours that they were spending in the days and the months that they were failing. And we have to turn things around and look at it differently. It's like, what if we looked at failure or rejection as information and as a sign that we're being courageous? Um, but that that is what it takes is, I think also there has to be a humility to, you're gonna get the feedback of where you serve the best and where you can make the biggest difference in the world. And I think you, mm-hmm. you're you an example of that. You know, you started in one thing. You're like, I'm going to help people budget, you know, and then you sort of went over to your, oh. <laughs> well, let's be, let's be fair. I, oh, I was like, helping people coupon, not she's budget. Like, Budgeting no, no, has never been more simple. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want anybody out there to be thinking that I'm a budget expert because let's all be honest. That's not true. <laughs> it was cutting coupons, Kath. Um <laughs> So, you know, you started there and then you realize, wait, I think I'm being sort of guided that people want me to help them blog in general. Oh, wait, I'm now writing a book. Wait a minute. I'm starting a podcast and I'm just a girl who doesn't have a famous last name. And oh, my God, look where my podcast is right now, because words from the heart speak to the heart. And your gift is how willing you are to share and to speak your truth. And so you wound up here. And that is similar to my own particular journey. It's pretty similar. But I think if we are all humble enough to say, I don't necessarily care what package it comes in. I just want to contribute because ultimately we are all seeking that feeling of purpose. That is, that's the cherry on the top anyway. So if you know that, then it's all good. If this thing doesn't work because you're being led over here, it's purposely closing so that you can wind up right here and do the next thing. Oh, such a good point. You know, that's somebody said to me a few months ago when I was working on writing my next book, do it scared. Um, somebody said, I just, what if I don't know what I want? I just want to want something. And I think for so, and I hear that a lot from my audience, from so many women, because I talk about goal setting and I talk about all these things, which you do too, about like going after your dreams and leaving your, leaving your job and doing these, doing big things that you never thought you were capable of. And so many people I think are afraid to do that because they don't have it all figured out. And just like what you're saying, you think we're, you're supposed to have this big plan. Like my big plan of what I have now looks very different than what my big plan looked like seven years ago. Like to the point where I wouldn't even recognize 
the plan or the person that I have become in that time. And that's okay. Like you don't have to have it figured out. Like just come up with something and then take action on it and then see what happens. And if that doesn't work, a hundred percent, the clarity follows the action. I'm at a place now where Mm, I used to be like, "Uh, here's a vision board. This is my dream. And what I do now is I'm like holding a kaleidoscope and I just keep turning it and it keeps getting clearer and shifting. And because it's, because I know now that the how unfolds the where I'm being led to Mm -hmm. it. So instead of deciding. I'm like, God has bigger dreams. He's going to supersize this. It's bigger anyway. So instead of me getting involved and saying, I can't even begin because I have to get to here at the end of this ladder and I don't see the next 18 steps, forget it. It's not in your, you don't have to know that part. It's like, you can just put into the world, I'm going to try my hand at this. And, and what happens is you will be led and, and it will all sort of come. The clarity comes, the confidence comes, opportunities sprout. Um, it just starts with I have to have the courage to, well, what information do I have? I feel called to do this right now. So I'm going to do this photography. I'm going to go all in. And oh my God, I realized six weeks later, my favorite aspect was the organizing. I think I'm going to be a professional organizer. Great. Now I'm being led to that. So that's the fun. That's the cool part. Do you think people think it makes them seem flaky if they do that? Yeah, I think we have a million things. I mean, we're being taught since the youngest age What do you want to do when you grow up? And when you're 18, please decide and then do that for the rest of your life. We have to have it all. You have to have it all figured out. Nobody's comfortable not having an answer. I mean, how many Mm -hmm. kids when they're being asked a question ever raise their hand and go, my answer is I don't know. Ooh, good answer. You had the courage (laughs) to say you don't know. You had the courage to say, what if it's this or this? No, it has to be. We, you know, Carol Dweck has a great book on this and she talks about mindset and, you know, there's growth Mm, mindset. I love that book. So good. She's incredible. We just did an episode that was featured on iTunes because it was like the back to school and it was like what they don't teach you in school. And I did this whole episode and iTunes Mm. featured it, I think, because they thought it was really powerful. It's this, the idea that you're constantly being told, like, put an answer on the paper, like there is a destination as opposed to mm-hmm. the effort, the process, the journey. That is it. The resilience. When you look, when they do the data, they find out that what actually is the number one indication of someone being successful or not is their resilience, their creativity, their resourcefulness. So you could take two people, somebody who's naturally athletic and someone who's not. And if this person who's naturally athletic, you know, just sort of shows up to the game, Okay, so it's going to work for a little while. But if this other person who's not really hustles and they're creative and they're resourceful and they get themselves psyched up and they do anything they can to stay at it, they're going to crush everyone. And it's the same thing with academics. They In Carol Dweck's book, they went into different schools. They went into a school that was performing the worst in the country in the Bronx. They went into a school in Harlem. They went into a school on a Native American reservation. And these were the three bottom of the barrel and then she went in and just encouraged and gave positive reinforcement for, for children when they put in effort, not when they got a grade. And what wound up happening is in over just a few weeks, she got those three schools that were dead last to perform better than the greatest, most elite schools, the private schools on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. They outdid them academically. So it's not like you have a smart gene and you're an idiot. Yes, your IQ is greater. But if this one is resilient and there's that's called... I'm messy. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know where I'm actually going to wind up and I'm going anyway. So that's the stuff that dreams are made of. And the reason we love movies like Rocky and the reason you love any of these movies where somebody just keeps getting back up is because of that quality. Because we all kind of know intrinsically, I can. I just have to be willing to get up to bat. And guess what? I might miss and that might hurt. And so what? So what? It's so true. And I think that the more, tell me what you think about this, because I feel like the more comfortable that we get in where we are in life, the more like say, you know, we're kind of settled and our family's doing okay. Then it's the, we're financially, you know, we're past the part of like really struggling. All of a sudden we get comfortable and it, it becomes even scarier because it feels like we have more to lose. It feels scarier to take those risks or to try new things or to be a little bit different because, because we've had a little bit of success. And I remember, um, when I first started my business, you know, I made this crazy goal for my, to make enough money blogging for my husband to quit his job. And 
at that point, like I felt like I didn't have anything to lose. So I was just like hustling, doing whatever it took, doing, teaching people how to use coupons, writing whatever I could to just like get my stuff out there and make, and make it happen. And I did. But then as soon as we got to that point, I remember just the most fear I have ever had in my life. It was not this feeling of relief. It was this feeling of, oh my gosh, this could go away at any second. And now I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to work even harder. And how am I going to, like, how am I going to keep it from all going away? And I'm glad that I've managed to overcome that because I think that now I'm just like, now I've realized that it doesn't matter. Like I now have the skills. I know how to support me and my family. So even if blogging went away tomorrow, even if everything I've built went away tomorrow, I have no doubt that I've learned the skills to build it back up or build something back up in order to support us. But I think for so many people, that thought of like, I might lose everything is enough to keep them from do you, what do you think about that? That was kind of a side note, but uh, it's not a side note. It's the <laughs> it's the note. It's like you're inside of my house because that's <laughs> literally where I'm standing in this moment. Because I had the same thought. I was like, I want to do so well that my husband's going to be able to quit his law job and we're going to be great. And uh, careful what you wish for, right? Because things started to do better and better. And the music thing just grew. And while it grew, I anded it and then anded it again. And I was like, yes, and I'll do that and do my course and do a podcast and write my book. And everything actually just kept going better than I maybe even dreamed it would go. And so now we're in a position where he, um, his company, he works for Fox and all of a sudden they're announcing that they're selling it. And it's like, that was the most stable thing in the world. It was just always great as a backup, even though I started to take on a lot of our um, expenses because I was like, look at me, I can pay the mortgage. This is amazing. Um, and then I started to feel like, wait, what did I do? And I've been saying to him, no, this is amazing. You could be home. We have three beautiful children that God blessed us with. I went through 12 rounds of fertility treatment to have these three kids. I was told I would never have a child. 12 rounds of injections and going in for treatments and you get rejected nine times. And then you have one and then you go back and da, 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 this one failed. You finally have another. You go through 12, you have three children and he, of course he should get to spend the time, right? This would be great if we could both, I work from home sort of, I run my own business and then he's home and I feel the same thing you do. What happened? And you know what I realized? I was talking to a friend the other day and she said to me, Kathy, you are the commodity. It's you. So as long as you're, you're here and God willing, you know, um, she said, it's you. So there's nothing to fear. And this is what I realized. This is what we all forget. If you had Apple stock, so let's say, you made a good investment years ago, you have tons of Apple stock. You wouldn't think of your bank account as being the bottom line because you would know even if that went to zero, I can just cash in that Apple stock. I just have it as like a safety net, right? Mm -hmm. If you had the three Beanie Babies that sell for the most on eBay, you happen <laughs> to have them, right? You walk past them every yes. day. You tell your kids, don't touch them. It's a commodity. Still if, have the tags on. Right. If there's ever a rainy day here, I'm going to sell one of those Beanie Babies and we're going to mm -hmm. get whatever, thousands of dollars. So what we forget is inside of each one of us, that's the greatest Apple stock. That's the greatest commodity. Your empathy, your compassion, your ability to be creative, your ability to start things and try and create community or put things out there. It's like wildfire. And you and I have tested that enough to see, have seen for ourselves what happens from that. But most people walk past it constantly and go, huh what do I need? Do I need to go buy something? Do I need a degree? Should I change careers or buy a new house? And a No, it's you. You're what you're looking for. You are what you're looking for. And you got to keep, tr keep trying when, when like throwing spaghetti against the wall, when one thing doesn't work, try something else try, and try another thing and try another thing. And that doesn't mean quit necessarily. That means look at what you're doing. How could I make this better? What did I learn from this failure? What did I learn from this mistake? Okay. What can I do to make, take the successes and make it even more successful? Yeah. And let's, let's take it to a Let's be tactical about it for a second. So people who are listening can say, this all sounds great, but what the heck do I do? What you do is, first of all, Everything I've started was always a side hustle. I had a desk job while I started this idea of writing music for TV. I was still paying the bills with a desk job. Then I did that while starting a side hustle of my licensing. Everything was, a, my podcast was a side hustle to every, my, mu my whole music thing. Okay, so everything's, so fine. If you have a job, it's fine. You can use your creative energy. I just had Daniel Pink on my podcast. He said, our most creative time of day anyway is in the evening. Okay, so 
it's fine. If you want to work on projects at night, great. You can get a lot done. Um, but what I would say is build the bridge, build the runway before you just take the leap. And there's amazing, important steps that need to be taken first. Validating an idea is a really good idea. Okay. So if whatever you want to do, if you want to teach this yoga class, if you want to make these brownies, if you want to sell your hand lettering, you want to make your own stationery, awesome. Everyone is eventually going to need an audience to buy those things from you, right? That's what everyone needs. So start to cultivate and curate a group of human beings that are potentially your target human that might want to take that class from you or buy that thing or come and gain that information and insight or whatever your coaching business, your shop, your floral design, and gather them together however you can. You could start a Facebook group and start posting things and asking them questions and seeing what they need, what you can make for them, what they would like. You can bring people over for dinner. You could have an evening. You can go to your kid's school or your church or your synagogue or your local farmer's market. I mean, just start to gather data what's working, what's not working. And then what winds up happening is the answers are there for you. People will either say things like, I love the chocolate brownies. I didn't like the peanut butter brownies. Or I love your floral stuff. But what I loved even more was the way you decorated all the things around the jar and the twine. And you, maybe you get led to being to seeing that you're not going to do floral design. You're going to do event planning. But you're going to get the data and it's important that you stop putting it in your mind and bouncing it around with yourself. You're not going to get the answers. You've got to put it into action. And it's really important if you're going to make dinner for a friend, like find out, is she a vegan or does she eat meat? Okay, so what's her favorite salad dressing? Make things for the people who might want to enjoy them. And the answers will sort of unfold. And cultivating an audience is a good idea because not only do you need that data, but it's good to just start to recognize that ultimately you now with the invention of your smartphone and your laptop, no matter what you're going to ultimately offer, you can create a beautiful community around you through Instagram or Facebook and right. blogging, obviously. I take, think your take, take Ruth's course on blogging. Well, that's no, that's actually just what I was thinking. I mean, it can be podcasting or blogging or anything like that, microblogging through Instagram. Yep. Create some content. Um, but, and that's what we teach in Elite Blog Academy too, is almost like a reverse business model where, you know, think about the traditional business model where you create a product and then you put it out there and you hope like crazy that you're going to get some customers to buy your product. Yeah. And most businesses fail of because of that, because either the product isn't vetted or has not been a proven idea or there's no customers or they run out of money and, and that's why businesses yep. fail. But blogging or podcasting or what you're talking about, content-based marketing, is flips it all around. It starts with the message. It starts with the relationship. You first start by figuring out, who am I? Who are these people that I want to talk to? Who is the audience that I want to reach? And what do I want to say to them? And then you go into building that relationship and growing that audience slowly and organically. And so that the investment that you're putting in is time, but not necessarily money. And it's it, for, I think for a lot of people, it seems less scary to do it that way. And it is less scary. It's way less risk. And like you were just, you and I were just talking about it. It also allows you to grow and evolve and figure out what you're really about. Just like I started out talking to people about coupons and I don't I don't talk about coupons anymore, but that's all evolved over time. And believe it or not, I have a lot of people that listen to this podcast now that first learned about me through couponing and still now have grown and evolved with me to this day. Yeah, because the common denominator is you. Right. The common denominator is ultimately your message and what people feel when they're around you, how they feel about themselves. And that's why I started this by saying how courageous you are and how it's so stunning. It's so beautiful when a person says, this is me. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to try to give you a curated story. I'm going to tell you about the times where I was so self-sabotaging and terrified. And I'm going to tell you about the times where I was really brave. And it makes me want to cry right now thinking about that because that is, we are all so thirsty for that, to open up Instagram and to see a human being who says, here's a picture of me when I don't have makeup on and I'm just a person, I'm just a mom trying to get through the day and I'm feeling really hard on myself right now. Oh, thanks. Because guess what? I feel that way too. And I felt really alone because I was looking at people posting pictures of their perfect marriage and my husband and I don't have sex every night. And sometimes we actually argue. Does anyone else do that? Oh, you do that too? Oh, good. You know, we, we need that from each other. And what I want to tell your audience, because I think this is so in line with what you're helping people create, these like micro communities, you know, through 
through engagement, through blogging, through conversation, through content. This is something that is so massive. I wish I could say, I wish I could go to everybody's house and tell them this message. You can create 250,000, 300,000, you can create a wonderful income for yourself from having a small group of people in the world who know about what you do and love what you do and enjoy your content. Period. End of story. This is what people do not understand. They're like, wait, unless I have 500,000 followers on Instagram, how will I ever? No, 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 no. Let's, we're going to back it up. Okay. We're going to back it up. I started a songwriting course. I didn't have a book on songwriting. I was just a girl who had done some stuff for myself and had some results. And I'd been in a couple of magazines, but I didn't have a PhD in musicology. I just was like a person. I was like, I'm going to start a course. That course made seven figures. Then I started a podcast, which had nothing to do with my music business. I didn't have any followers on Instagram, zero. I was like, I got to start a podcast and start recording it in my closet, which is where I first recorded it. Okay. And um, I just started to put out content and, and, and human beings heard the genuineness in my voice. And it slowly grew. And then that podcast grew into a multi six figure situation, which grew into a book deal with Macmillan, which grew into massive speaking opportunities. I just spoke to a thousand souls, a thousand people I just spoke to in Portland at Chris Gillibo's World Domination Summit. It was amazing. Um, and my whole life has changed, right? And we're talking about like, what do I have on Instagram? 14,000 followers. It's, it, this is so powerful. I recently had this girl on my podcast who you would love. You might already know her. Her name is uh, Melissa Camilleri. She has a, a business called Shop Compliment. And the reason I'm mentioning her is because she was a high school teacher who started to make bracelets. And she had this little side business and she would give these to kids when they went to homecoming or whatever. And she would write these little compliments on every bracelet in like beads or with a little note. You're enough. You matter. I see you. I love you. You're, I appreciate you. Whatever. And people were like, I love these notes. It's the notes. They mean the world to me. No one tells me that. And she said, oh, I'm going to start making more and raising money for kids who don't have money to go to college. Anyway, she wound up doing it full time and her whole business. And she has like, I don't know, 25 or 30,000 Instagram followers. She's making multi six figures. She has an incredible team. They're doing something that matters. They're doing something that gives back to education. They're doing something that makes people feel seen with a small audience of human beings. This is what you need to think of. And then what you do is you start to, if you're me, you go, oh my God, that's so possible. It's so doable. There's seven and a half billion people on the planet. If I start to be myself and have the courage to be vulnerable and speak from the heart and talk about what I'm feeling and add something of, of beauty, whether it's and whatever it is I can, I can create or teach or do, I can create a community of people who say, oh, that's what I needed. I just needed a place to feel found. And now I feel found. And so I want to support whatever this person's going to do because when I'm around them, it makes me feel inspired or whatever else. I just had Daniel Pink on the podcast and he said, if you have something brilliant or valuable or helpful, it's your moral obligation to share, to it. share it with other people. I love that. And I love that too. I think, and I think that that's, I mean, the, the deepest human need is to feel seen and loved and accepted and like you belong. And if that is, if, and, and so that, like just knowing that, just knowing that, that means that every single person in the world has a purpose and has something to offer the world because you can see other people and you can accept and love other people. And if you can just know that one thing, then God, like that's enough. It's more than enough. That's enough. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. And the thing is you can apply that to any business. You know, if you say, I, my thing is uh, I love to do illustrations or I love to write music or I love to make pottery. How can you apply that radical empathy to your business? How can you bring people in mm -hmm. and share what you're doing and ask them about them and share yourself? And then all of a sudden, you're not really selling the pottery. You're selling that, which you just gave. Exactly. Connection. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And like, and not in a shady way, in a, in an actual giving way. When you give of yourself, like there's nothing. It's just, it's amazing to me. I think like I, and I often think about that too. You probably too, do too. Like this is the best job in the entire world because every single day I get the opportunity to just hear people and meet people and 
meet people where they are and hopefully provide some tools that are also going to help them actually like make some changes in their life in a real and authentic way. Like what a great, what a great life. I, 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 I so agree with you. And about, I don't know, it was like three months ago, I interviewed Martha Beck for my podcast and um, Mm -hmm. I had seen her speak 10 years ago in San Francisco. I went to this Oprah event and of course Oprah was there and a bunch of her favorites like Nate Berkus and Susie Orman and Martha Beck spoke. And I was crying so much because she's like a preacher. She's so incredible. And um, she has a book called Finding Your Own North Star. And she has a book called The Joy Diet, all about consuming joy every single day. And in any case, um, mm-hmm. I realized, I looked at the date, and I realized it was literally to the day, 10 years, that I had seen her speak. It had been 10 years, and now she was on my podcast as a few months ago. And I started to cry because I remember Amazing. walking out of there. I was like 27 28, something like that. And I was like, I don't know. God, show me. What am I supposed to do with my life? I'm so inspired. I don't know where to go and I can't see the path. Just give me a map and show me where it is. And um, I was led a decade later to having her on my show. And just today, she was kind enough to tell me she's going to like write something for my book, which is like, you know, Mm. it's so easy to listen to this and go, well, Kathy and Ruth, I mean, They've already done this. No, no, no. Like I've struggled so much. There's been so many things I've attempted that just didn't work. I told you I was dropped from two labels, but there's been all Mm -hmm. these other things that have failed. I was engaged before to somebody that didn't work out. I had many failed miscarriages. I've had other business ventures that didn't work out. I made a TV show in 2007 with the Henson Company, and we thought that was going to sell, and we spent two years working on it, and it completely crashed and burned. Every network said no eventually. I've written other books that didn't get picked up and published. It's so mm-hmm. easy to see that, but you don't see. It's so easy to think like, well, that's her. That's not me. No. If you're willing to believe and just use your mm-hmm. imagination and know, that's it. That's it. And you will be scared. And you take gotta- one step, any step, not no. And I think that's too, we're just waiting, we're waiting for the whole map to be clear, like, but sometimes it's just the next, the next step, the one step in that direction that we have to take. And then maybe the next step becomes clear after that. Maybe it doesn't, maybe you take a misstep and then you keep stepping and you keep stepping and you keep stepping. Yeah. I feel like one last thing that I can share that would help is I think that in order to get these steps taken, I think that people forget that the one thing you need to be productive more than anything, and the research shows this, there was research, this woman, Carrie Bentley, um, she's a productivity expert. She said there was research that showed that people think that they could get more done if they have more time. So they gave people more time and that wasn't the case. So they figured out what is the quotient? What is it that actually has helps people be more productive and actually take these steps? And it's energy. Mm. You need to be energized, right? And you can get yourself into that state, just like right now talking to you, like, gives me energy. Mm -hmm. You know, there's other people in my life who I won't mention. I'm zonked. I speak to them (laughs) for 30 minutes. I'm like, I need a nap. I'm done for the day. You know? So certain people give you energy. Certain activities give you energy. Certain music gives you energy. Writing in a journal can give you energy. It depends. You have to see what pushes your buttons. But my point is we have to proactively seek out that which gives us that energy. So if taking Ruth's class does that, you take it 15 times. If listening to this podcast does it, listen to it every day. If listening to a certain person or calling your best friend or going on a run, proactively deciding to keep that battery charged the way that we do with our cell phone, where we anticipate everyone's like that with their iPhone. They know where the charger is in the car. They have it planned for the day. They're never going to be without battery power. We don't do that with ourselves. So expect, expect there to be fear and anxiety. So true. And expect that your job is to proactively input Mm -hmm. this energizing stuff that is going to fuel you and reconnect you to the certainty of what you can achieve. Yes. So, so true. Right. So true. You have to do whatever you can to stay encouraged all the time, like inputting those positive messages all the time. I actually talk to my, my Elite Blog Academy students about this all the time too, because they, I do a, um, live Q and a session every Friday in our, in our private Facebook group. And a lot of the times I feel like I say the same things over and over again, but also a lot of the times, you know, I'm answering a lot of the same questions, but a lot, a lot of what I'm talking about is just 
keep keeping people encouraged and keeping people motivating and made it motivated and letting them know that they can do it. And so many of them, you know, we just had our live event not too long ago. And so many of my students came up to me and said, I watched, I don't care that you say the same thing over and over again. I need to hear it over and over and over again. I go, I watch those Facebook lives every Friday. And it's the only thing that keeps me going through this course because I need to feel your mode. I need to hear that motivation over and over and over again. And that's so true. And the great thing about podcasts, about your podcast, about my podcast, about all the other amazing podcasts out there and just all the other stuff is that there's no excuse not to fill fill your head with this stuff all the time. I mean, there's enough. There's so much of it. Enough yeah. amazing content out there that you could listen 24 hours a day. And not that you want to have listening to podcasts be a substitute for taking action, but if listening Every day is what keeps you motivated and gives you the gives you the ability to take one more step in the right direction. Oh my gosh, then do that as much as it takes. I love that you just said that. And I do feel like that's the elixir like everybody needs is that everybody and, needs it. You know, you can get information on anything, right? So ultimately, Ruth, when people are coming to you, they're not only looking, yeah, you have a incredible strategy because you've done it well. And that's the easiest way to figure out how to get from point A to point B is find someone who's done it. But it's the implementation. It's that like you got to get them into action. So it's like you can hand them a map and it's like, meanwhile, you got to encourage. That's what a good teacher or coach does is like get them implementing. So um, if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling inspired, use it as a tool to make a decision to go do something with this inspiration. Go make a messy version of your Mm -hmm. chapter or go write the email to someone about setting up a meeting or go in the kitchen and play with some recipes for your, you know, what's going to be your cake pop truck, but do something about it. Yes. Right. Do something right now. Like even the smallest thing right this second. Okay. I know we're running out of time and I have so many things I still want to ask you. We're going to, of course, have to do follow up. Um, (laughs) but oops. Um, The one thing I really want to go back to is when your mom said, and this is like, we're, we're, we were way up and now we're taking it way down. Um, but when your mom said to you, you are not enough, how, as a kid hearing those words, how did you, how, like, first of all, how did you cope with that? And now as an adult, how have you moved, how have you moved past that? And what, like, what was the catalyst for you to, because I can't, I mean, that's, I, I have my own stuff, which we talked about and, and a lot of childhood baggage too, but that, I don't think I ever heard those words and I can't even imagine how incredibly hurtful that must've been and, and thinking about it even now. So how did you, like, how did you turn that into like the amazing person that you are now? Well, that's really kind. I mean, I'm constantly working on it. I feel like in therapy, it comes up all the time that without noticing it, I have like all of this projected. Um, it's so easy for me to get mad at my husband. And so much of it is probably because I'm sort of anticipating that he's not being considerate or he's not seeing me or he doesn't think I'm enough or I have to work harder than I even do. And I'm wanting him to see it. And he's like, it's great. I get it. And um, I'm my point is I'm still wrestling with that. I think that that's my challenge. And I wrestle with it in other ways where it's really, really, really hard for me to leave mm-hmm. my kids for a meeting or not feel guilty about doing things that I need to do that make me happy because I feel like, what if they feel like they're not enough? What I'm like, I'm constantly feeling that they must feel this and that I have to overcompensate and that I'm a terrible mom. Mm-hmm. Or I, I mean, I have... I, I have had to learn also how to um, how to have balanced friendships where I'm not overcompensating and giving too much. Like it's more of a balance. And thank God, as I've gotten older, I've just met such kind people who it is like I'm still dealing with it as a point. But how I actually handled it then, um, I was devastated. I walked around in like a fog. I didn't feel good about myself. I had a really bad self-image Um I remember calling my sister and saying, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I I don't know why people are here. Like, what do you do? You grow up just to like watch Law and Order and eat pizza and go to bed like and feel like crap? Like, what's the point of this? Um, And my sister said to me, you know, you can't do this. Um, You jump, I jump. So I need you. And she was already away at school and I was home by myself, like dealing with my mom's depression and her craziness and my dad was out of the picture and my sister flew home um, and she spent a few days with me and I was like numb, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it was not, a f- it was just like such a dark time. 
And, um, and, you know, I thankfully went on that trip to Jerusalem because there's nothing, I mean, nobody loves you as much as God loves you. You know, it's like, once you have a connection that there is, at least for me, it wasn't even a belief. It's just, I knew it. I could feel it. I was walking Mm -hmm. through those streets. I felt it in the wind. I felt my feet on the sand in the desert there. Like I just, something's going on. I just knew, I just knew there was so much more. There was such a bigger, expansive way of looking at the world. And I started studying it and uh, it it clicked. It just clicked. You know, there's a lot of BS and you can tell, but you know what's crazy? Every soul I've had on this podcast who's really, really connected on some level, they've got that message. They, they figured that out. Like there's more here than we can see. And I just was, um, I, I, you know, that was my lifeline basically. And I then turned it around and said, oh, I get it. So since now I have that and I can see the world through those lenses, what if I can help any human being who's ever struggled to feel like maybe they're alone or not enough to know that they are. That's amazing. And that can be my work. That's amazing. And then that gives me tremendous purpose. Mm, and um, and and so I think that that just kind of fed on itself, you know. So it helped me build up my well-being, amazing. you know. So let's just wrap up a couple things. What are yep. you working on right now that has you fired up? Okay. So I'm in the throes of finishing my book, which is due in a few weeks. Um, my book. Yeah, it's exciting. When does it come out? It's not coming out till next fall, but in the publishing world, it's like, we need it. We need it. We need it. It's a long process. Yeah. So it's, it's due. um, And in the meantime, um, the hundredth episode of the podcast is coming out. So we're doing a big party for that. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. And, um, and so I'm working on the podcast and then I do a bunch of live events. So similar to you uh, in terms of some of the things I'm doing. Um, and uh, it's just, it all keeps me very, very inspired, you know, meeting these great, incredible guests and reaching these human beings who message me and DM me on Instagram. I, I answer every DM. So I feel very, very touched uh, that people share their stories. And now we just started doing two episodes a week and we're doing a Thursday episode where we are not interviewing somebody, but I'm just sharing the great oh, successes and that. stories from people in our community who are starting things. We have a, a guy who had been listening to the podcast. He used to have a day job and his name is Greg Franklin. And, and through the cro- process of listening to the show, he eventually got up the courage to start selling cheesecake on the side. And then he got fired from his job and that turned into his full-time thing. And now he just opened his own shop. It's 10 feet by 50 feet and he's selling his cheesecake and he just got on Yelp. He's like the number two in the whole state. That's um, amazing. And it is. And I get to hear these stories every day. I and love it. So uh, it's very exciting. That's awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like us to know? I don't know. I mean, I just want you to know that um, that there's a reason why you're here and you've been assigned to inspire other human beings and you've been assigned and there's a reason why you wake up feeling excited about playing violin or blogging or you get excited about sharing parenting tips. There's a reason. And um, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the expert. You don't have to have a PhD. Like, you might actually be a better person for someone to learn from if you know A through F than if you know through Z, because a person who's at B might not be ready to learn from someone who's at Z. So everyone plays a role and um, so true. stop overthinking it. Uh, get busy doing things because your work in progress version, your unpolished version is going to help so many people. So get it out there. Love it. So true. Well, thank you, Kathy, for being on here. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Oh, you're and so great. Just I like love this. One truth bomb after another. <laughs> so good. You're so sweet. Thank you for having oh, me on. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we will include all those. Where can we find you? Um, and then we'll make sure we conclude all the links on the show notes. Don'tkeepyourdayjob.com is a website. That's my podcast website. You can go to Apple Podcasts to listen to the show or anywhere you listen to a podcast. Um, and on my Instagram, I'm at kathy.heller and I post every day and very uh, honest and vulnerable and I interact with everybody and I, I, I seem to be very responsive. So that's good. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, so don't forget that if you would like to grab our Do It Scared Manifesto or you would like to get the show notes for this episode, you can find it all at doitscared.com slash episode 28 or by texting Do It Scared to 44222 right now. Once again, get all the show notes for this episode at doitscared.com slash episode 28 
or get Just the Manifesto by texting Do It Scared to 44222 on your phone right now. And then before we go, I just want to say, as always, that I love, love, love hearing from you. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today, if you have any podcast guests that you would like to see featured on the podcast, if there are any other topics that you want to see me talk about or address here on the Do It Scared podcast, please, please feel free to reach out via email by filling out our form at doitscared.com. And that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, once again, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes. And then if you're really feeling motivated, share a screenshot of your review at doitscared.com for a chance to win some of our fabulous merchandise, including Do It Scared t-shirts, Do It Scared mugs. We've got bracelets. It's awesome stuff. And then while you're there, be sure to subscribe via iTunes to be notified of new episodes. And speaking of upcoming episodes, be sure also to join me next week as we talk about how to plan to have your best year ever in 2019 by first planning how to have your best December ever in 2018. Basically, we are going to talk about a few steps that you can take right away, right now, to set yourself up for massive success in the coming year. It's going to be super practical, so be ready to take a ton of notes. I promise you won't want to miss it. I will catch you then.